0: Us again at D of the podcast. I'm Michael King. and I'm Allison. We're gonna start with the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grammy nominations were announced last week. Last week. Last yes. week. And um, like, whenever nominations for any awards show are announced, we all scream You know that someone was robbed.
1: Right. Oh yeah, we have so many feelings about it. We feel personally like taken. Yeah, like, I
0: I scream Stacey Q was robbed every single year when the Grammy nominations come out. And this year was no exception. Um, uh, Beyoncé got the most nominations, though, before we get to the snubs. Mm -hmm. We'll get to the ones who were not snubbed. Beyoncé got the most nominations with nine. Taylor Swift, Roddy Rich, and Dua Lipa all got six nominations. Mm -hmm. And before the nominations were even announced, everyone thought, including me, that the weekend was going to sweep the nominations.
1: I didn't I didn't think he was gonna sweep them, but I figured he'd get like at least three.
0: I figured I thought he was gonna get the most. Mm-hmm. His album, After Hours, sold a lot of copies and got a lot of good reviews. So sometimes that equals Grammys. Mm-hmm. Not this time. Um he's won three Grammys before, but this year he was completely snubbed he didn't get not a one Mm-mm. they prefer the grammys prefer the weekdays
1: oh that's a much better joke than i had what's yours mine was real hamster running on a wheel it was like um the week you the weekend really is like the weekend because he's has zero days of the week like, Monday to Friday. Like, to me, I think that Monday... To the, week that oh. the
0: weekend is days of the week. <laughs> yeah,
1: but they're not real days of the week. They're like cousins.
0: They are days of the week, Allison. <laughs> we'll discuss that on our Patreon.
1: It's like a thumb. Uh, is and a Saturday and like, Sunday
0: a day of the week? No,
1: it's like thumbs and fingers. So, like, Monday through Friday is fingers, and Saturday and Sunday is a thumb.
0: Right? No, <laughs> no they're days of the week. <laughs> Well, cool. they are days of the week, <laughs> but the week is Monday to Friday. It's called the week end, and yeah, the end, end of the week. There's no more week. These are the other it's days. It's called Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. Yeah, but like, what is it? Well, it's not called Satter thumb, sadder thumb, and Sun pinky. <laughs> Which? Okay, now there's some drama regarding. Um, why the weekend was shut out completely,
1: and I enjoy, I like this drama.
0: So when the nominations were announced, the weekend tweeted that the Grammys are corrupt and they owe him and his fans um, industry transparency. And then TMZ said that they believe they know why he didn't get one Grammy nomination. So he's doing the Super Bowl halftime show, which is on February 7th. -hmm. And the Grammys are a week before on January 31st. Both are airing on CBS. But apparently TMZ says that the Grammy people wanted him to choose between performing at the Grammys and the Super Bowl. TMZ thinks that because the Grammys, you know, they don't want duplicate performances or whatever. Um, the Weeknd, of course, refused to drop out of the Super Bowl halftime show because, duh, like more people watch it and he'll make a lot of more money from it.
1: Yeah, more people will care. Plus, he gets free Pepsi from it.
0: Yeah, that's, oh, no, that's a reason not to do it. A free drink is a free drink, Michael. <sighs> uh, not Pepsi. <laughs> um, so, TMZ sources say that The Weeknd and his team think he may not have gotten any nominations because he chose the Super Bowl over the Grammys. And um, maybe that's why he tweeted the Grammys are corrupt, because if that's the case, then the Grammys, the Grammy people like null and voided any votes for him. Mm-hmm. So it's like what Trump wanted to do with Joe Biden's votes, you know, like take a magic eraser to them all.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds
0: like that's what he thinks may have happened, right?
1: Yeah, that's, exa- yeah, that's exactly it. Like basically, um, I hate this term, but for lack of a better term, the weekend wouldn't Play ball. So they're they probably just like all talk amongst each other, and we're like, yeah, don't vote for this guy. Don't don't vote for not him for nominations.
0: And um, Harvey Mason Jr., who is the president of the Recording Academy, which is the Grammys, um, he denies that they gave the weekend an ultimatum. He said that he was also surprised that The weekend didn't get any nominations and that nothing shady went down because voting for the Grammys ended before he was announced at the Super Bowl, before he was announced for the Super Bowl halftime show, and so that didn't affect the nomination process. So The weekend responded to that saying that they were all planning his Grammys performance for weeks before the nominations, and then he was suddenly not invited Because to him, zero nominations equals no invite. Mm -hmm. And this all opened up more talks about the Grammys being trash. Mm -hmm. So Drake, he's called out the Grammys before. And he did it again, saying that the Grammys are irrelevant. And he was nominated this time around, too. But he said they were irrelevant. Um, He said on Instagram that we need to realize that these award shows don't mean anything and that he thought the weekend was a lock for the main categories and he ended saying this is a great time for somebody to start something new that we can build up over time and pass on to the generations to come.
1: Oh no but then that will soon turn into the Grammys and then people at the Drakeys will be
0: like this is The wheelchair jimmies. Let's go with the wheelchair jimmies (laughs)
1: That's great I can picture the trophy already. Yeah. Everything gets corrupt.
0: Nicki Minaj also got in on shitting on the Grammys and tweeted, Never forget the Grammys didn't give me my best new artist award when I had seven songs simultaneously charting on Billboard and bigger first week than any female rapper in the last decade went on to inspire a generation. They gave it to the white man, Bon Iver. The white I think that's what they actually said when he won. They said, and the Grammy goes to the white man, the Bon Ever.
1: Yeah, but it was like the white man, and then everyone was looking around being like, which white man? Skill like, Rex. Bon, I think Skill bon Rex was nominated
0: that year for Best New Artist. <laughs> <laughs> so and Halsey, who is a singer, in case you don't know, said that getting nominated for a Grammy is about who you know and passing bribes that can be disguised as not bribes. So she didn't She didn't um, explain, go into detail with that.
1: Yeah, I wanna know how you bribe and not bribe. Not that I wanna bribe anyone, I just would be good to
0: know. But when you do, you want it to look like you're not bribing. So Halsey should um, teach us that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's weird to me that he didn't get one nomination.
1: Did you like his album?
0: Yeah, I I think it deserved nominations.
1: Yeah, it's very
0: good. I love it. I mean, I know it's like the Grammys are probably a lot like the Oscars. Like it's a bunch Mm -hmm. of old white men voting. Mm -hmm. But I was still surprised. Well,
1: because that like, I mean, no offense to The Weeknd. This is going to sound shady. But like his songs were everywhere from After Hours. Like they were in the mall, in the grocery store. And I'm pretty sure that they were used in like an Old Navy commercial. Like they got to the point where like, everybody knew at least one song from that album. And that's the kind of stuff to me that gets you nominated for a Grammy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And his songs were on heavy rotation on TikTok. And we all know that TikTok is the music industry right now. So it what absolutely. I'm saying is they should have the TikTok awards. No, I'm not putting that out there. But that's probably going to happen.
1: Though <laughs> no, That's what Drake is. That's what Drake's working on right now
0: the tiktok (laughs) awards yeah
1: (laughs) the tiktokies
0: but like speaking of like award shows i mean maybe it's just me but i think like they're they're not as big of a deal as they used to be do you think that
1: no i totally agree with you and i was trying to explain this to someone recently um and i mean you just heard me try to explain days of the week so you can imagine how well my reasoning went but but like to me, award shows don't matter anymore because before in like a pre-internet time, you had to have people tell you something was successful, right? Like you needed to hear, you know, Jane Fonda say, and the Oscar goes too. And then you're like, okay, that movie must be a good movie. But now with the internet, everybody can like go on YouTube and be like, oh, this this video has been watched 14 million times. Or you go to Spotify and it's like, this song has been downloaded so many times or whatever. I don't have Spotify, I don't know if you can download. But anyways, um, but what I'm trying to say is we now know what is successful. Like we don't need somebody handing out awards telling us what is successful because we know we have all
0: the proof in front of us now. And we'll disagree with it, yeah. Yeah, And I, f- exactly. and I feel like when I was like a kid award shows were a much bigger deal. And there were so many. It was like every week there was another award show. It was like the VH1 Fashion Awards, the reality show awards, the Mm -hmm. this award, the that award. And now it's not like that.
1: Yeah. Like there was the Cable Ace Awards. Oh yeah. The
0: Cable Ace Awards. It was just like,
1: here's an award for a show that was on cable. Like, yeah, there were so many awards, but yeah, it's just like, we don't need them anymore. And also too, I feel like, um, because there's so much stuff now, like, remember, like, I just remember like being a kid and um, it, it felt like everybody watched Friends and everybody. Uh, should... Not me. Well, neither did I. I didn't watch Friends.
0: But like, you didn't? Oh, my God. No. I totally thought you were all about Friends. No.
1: Mm-mm. I recently watched Friends maybe about four years ago for the first time. And um, I watched the whole series while I was quilting. And I'm not a fan. It's, it's fine. I, I understand why people like it. I'm just not a very big fan of it. But what I'm trying to say is like, um, oh, here's my best example. When I was a kid in school, everybody talked about going to see Speed. And I hadn't seen Speed, but I pretended it was my favorite movie because obviously like, I was trying to fit in. But that was at a time where there were only a certain amount of movies that were released in the movie theaters. And like everybody watched the same things. And everybody talked about the same stuff. Whereas yeah. now there's so much music and so much TV. There's so much
0: options. Yeah, There's
1: options. So it's like. I don't have to like Nicki Minaj. I don't have to like Bonnie. Ver. It's like there's or Speed
0: the movie or, or Speed Friends.
1: or Speed Two. You know, I'm sure they're good. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is, it's like yeah, it feels it feels sort of redundant now.
0: Yeah. Also, Justin Bieber had things to say about the Grammys. Um, so he got three nominations in the pop category for his album Changes, and he wrote on Instagram that he's flattered, but. His album is an R&B album, so he should be in those categories, not pop. And I thought, like, the artist submitted to the category. I guess not, because um, the Grammy's president only said that it's a process, and they tried to put an artist in the correct category.
1: Yeah, so they definitely just, like, saw an album by Justin Bieber slide across their desk, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is
0: pop. And... Let's be real. He shouldn't have been nominated at all. It's, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, like, that <laughs> Yummy song is laxative for the ears.
1: Yeah, it's bad. I mean, I I listened to it recently because um, I wrote about Justin Bieber, so I was, like, listening to Yummy on repeat when I was writing it.
0: And oh, my God. Why would you do that to yourself?
1: I, don't, I obviously hate it. It's writing. like
0: Justin Bieber saying Yummy over and over is just a crime. It's nasty.
1: I know. <laughs> But maybe he'll win a Grammy for it. Who knows? Oh, my God. Imagine. He totally
0: will. He totally will.
1: All right. So my segue for this next story is not great, but I'm going to go for it anyway. So Is it,
0: is it a Sunday as a thumb segue? Oh, Wait, Would way, you say Sunday as a thumb, yeah?
1: Sunday as a thumb? No, it's way worse than that. It'll never match that level. <laughs> no. So we're going from one perceived uh, fuck-up, so the weekend thinking that the Grammy's fucked up, to a very real fuck-up, except... Not accept and um this story also involves a fuck up that involves your ears. Again, didn't say it was great. So last week we all kind of got familiar with Lucas Gage. So if you watch Euphoria, you already know who Lucas Gage is. He plays Tyler. Um I
0: watched Euphoria and I didn't know.
1: I think he's nearly like a he's like a B b-roll
0: character. He's yeah. Like, I'm tr- like tr- I was a- trying to figure role. out who he was. Yeah, but yeah. So Yeah, because, he's on that show.
1: Yeah, he seems like a nice enough actor. He's 25 years old. So last week he tweeted a video and um, he just, the title of it was just, he wrote PSA, if you're a shit talking director, make sure to mute your shit on Zoom meetings. So it was a video of Lucas like taken from his computer and he was auditioning for this director. We don't know who the director is in the video. We just know that they have a British voice and that it sounds like it could be a guy. So... Um, he's getting ready to audition, and the director didn't have his mute on. And you can hear him saying...
0: These poor people live in these tiny apartments. Like, I'm looking at his, you know, background, and he's got his TV and, um, you know... Yeah, muted. I know, it's a shitty apartment. That's why give me this job so I can get a better one. All right. Um, <laughs> ready? Oh my god, I am so, so sorry. No, it's totally... Listen, I'm living I'm in so a sorry. I'm living in a four by four box. It's fine. Just give me the job and we'll be fine. <laughs>
1: so everybody online was like, Yeah, that's super rude that he was making fun of his apartment. Also well,
0: that apartment wasn't even shitty.
1: No, it was it was fine. It I was mean
0: like cute. He had an accent wall.
1: Yeah, like I thought the paint job was nice. There was no like peeling paint. He didn't have like a bed sheet hung in the window. It was a nice apartment to me.
0: Yeah, although Lucas Gage wasn't wearing sleeves. So maybe that's why he said he was poor, because he's so poor he can't afford sleeves.
1: That's gotta be it. Yeah. But according to the director's apology, well, he doesn't address the sleeves. But so after Lucas um, tweeted uh, that video, a whole bunch of people came to his defense being like that's so rude that's awful like why was he making fun of you and then of course everybody started guessing so the most popular guess was Matthew Vaughn because he's British and I think a lot of people thought that too because January Jones kind of got involved in this um after Lucas like tweeted about it or like posted it to Instagram or something she kind of jumped into the comments and was like oh I have a guess of who this is and You know, there's like a theory online about maybe Matthew Vaughn is the father of her kid. So people kind of started to like, try to play detective. Right. Yeah. And then another guest was this director named Tristram Shapiro. Tristram. I have a really hard time saying that, but we'll all get through it together. So he's directed a bunch of um, TV in England. He's from the UK, but then he's also done a bunch um, here in North America. So people thought, okay, we think it might be him too. The internet eventually figured it out, and it was Tristram Shapiro. And um, so a paparazzi approached Tristram um, on the street one day and was like, this was like maybe two days after it happened. And he asked him, like, are you sorry? Because everybody kind of on the internet agreed, like, it was super rude of him. And much like Demi Lovato, uh, he was... Sorry, not sorry about it. And he said he had a statement that he wanted to release,
0: but it was going to come later, right? Even though, yeah. I mean, did we need a statement? Um, I mean, I think the statement would have been, because I think also when he was talking to that paparazzi, mm-hmm. he was saying like he doesn't apologize or something, like he stood by it. Just wonder if you had any comment, any apology, anything to say to him? I don't have any apology because I didn't say anything bad. Right? Okay. Uh, you have to look up the definition. It was three months ago. Actually, I'm not going to say anything right now because we're talking to some PR people. But um, uh, there will be a statement, I'm sure, at some point, but I'm not confirming. Okay, so you,
1: you don't and... you don't feel as if what you said to him was wrong and you would do it again the same way? Because the context of which it was said and the context of the meanings of the words need to be properly evaluated. That's what I'm going to say. All right, thank you. <laughs> um, he released the statement to a deadline, and it's pretty long. I threw it into a word counter. It's 405 words. So... That's a lot more than just saying, like, I'm so sorry I got caught. I sounded like an asshole. Um, So he said that instead of just letting it pass, which some people would have done, um, he decided to come forward and take responsibility, which is nice. So the first part of his apology sounds fairly sincere or a publicist did some really good work. So he says... First and foremost, I offer Mr. Gage a sincere and unvarnished apology for my offensive words, my unprofessional behavior during the audition, and for not giving him the focus and attention he deserved. My job is to evaluate performers against the part I'm trying to cast, and Lucas deserved better. So I think that's pretty nice. But this next part is where a lot of people had fun with it. So he says, this is kind of his excuse for why he said what he said. Yeah said, I was using the word poor in the sense of deserving sympathy as opposed to any economic judgment. My words were being spoken from a genuine place of appreciation for what the actors were having to endure. Stuck in confined spaces, finding it within themselves to give a role winning performance under these conditions. And so, Michael, my question to you is because I've gone back and I've re-listened to Lucas Gage's video like 20 times. Mm hmm. I'm still on the fence as to whether or not Tristram Shapiro meant poor as in a sense of deserving sympathy or poor as in economic judgment. And where do you.
0: Oh, I think he totally meant poor, like in a like sad way, like feeling sorry for him. I don't think he meant it like Lucas Cage is Lucas Cage is broke. I totally heard it like, oh, poor him. That's how I heard it. Right. 100%. Yeah, that's. I think that's what he meant. I didn't think he meant like poor as in like I said like as in broke. Which it's still like him saying poor. I mean, I'm still like, what do you mean poor him? Like he's 25. He lives in an apartment that looks like it's renovated. Again, there's an accent wall. It might be small, but if I was like 25 and I lived on my own and I lived in an apartment like that, I would be singing like how I made it. <laughs> I would think I was rich.
1: To, yeah, I mean, honestly, looking in that apartment, there's definitely a dishwasher in that kitchen.
0: Yeah, there's a... Di- yeah, it's like, poor him, nothing. That shit is nice. So, yeah, I do... But I do think he meant it, like, huh, like that.
1: I think he meant it, like, uh, but I think it was the inclusion of saying, like, these poor people live in these tiny apartments. Like, of course he lives in a tiny apartment. He's, like... He's, he's like, an actor-actor. He's not George Clooney. Like, what kind of apartment did he expect lucas gage of hbo's euphoria to have
0: yeah yeah it was stupid <laughs> yeah yeah it was yeah
1: i think for me this whole situation kind of um it sort of like fills the need for the fact that we need to switch from poor and poor to what i like to call the poor system so michael i don't know if you ever saw britney spears's uh in the zone documentary special yeah Okay, yes. So, do you remember when Britney and Lynn Spears are up on that balcony and they're overlooking um, Central Park and they're telling a story about how they went for a walk in Central Park like they um came for a visit, like before Britney was famous? Down there one day, that's for sure. You dragged me down there and we walked park, Got lost in the park. We did. She got blisters between her toes <laughs> from her flip flops. I remember, I just cried. I was oh like, maybe no. we just placed like a cab or You're something. You're like, oh, I remember we were poor. I'll pay for she it. Said, poor. <laughs> so, <poor. gasps> she said
0: pooer. She <laughs> said pooer. We were. We were poor. We were poor. So we need to say po- poor poor.
1: Pooer. Poor is like poor you. But if I'm gonna be like if it's the
0: other one, it should be pooer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should do that though. Write um Tris- Tris- Tristra on that. I will. Yeah, use poop poor <laughs> Oh, and Lucas. He didn't get the job, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so now let's talk about yet another celebrity split that is getting messy. And this one was surprising to me because I didn't really think of Kelly Clarkson as the messy divorce type.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: But here we are. So Kelly uh, filed for a divorce from her husband of seven years, Brandon Blackstock, back in June. They were in quarantine together with their two young children, a daughter named River, who is six, and a son named Remington, who is four. River and Remington. Mm -hmm. That's like a um, small town cop show. Oh, Yeah. Coming to TBS this fall. So um, they all spent part of quarantine together in their cabin in Montana. And this cabin is one room. That's a lot. I know. It was like for them because when, I, you know, I th- was I watching the Kelly Clarkson show? I don't know. I was watching something and she was, you know, she was Zoom calling in mm-hmm. and she, she looked like it was in a closet. And I was like. Uh, it probably was. Yeah, and I was like, shouldn't Kelly Clarkson be in like this huge Montana cabin, like this Montana state? So I Googled it and it's, it's a one-room cabin. It's like tons of acres, but it's like a one-room cabin. So she made it a lot. Like I would have filed for divorce for my husband and my kids a week in, but she stuck it out. And um, yeah. So when Ken, Kelly filed for divorce, she requested joint and physical custody. But things are now getting messy and Entertainment Tonight says she filed new papers saying that there's a lot of conflict and they're having a hard time co-parenting due to trust issues. And she asked for primary custody, which she got. Brandon wants to stay in Montana and Kelly is back in L.A. because she does The Voice and her talk show there. And Brandon wanted them to share custody and to shuffle the kids back and forth from Montana to L.A. It's
1: a lot for a kid.
0: Yeah, and Kelly obviously said that, like, that's not good for the kids. So a judge agreed and um, gave Kelly custody, and Brandon gets to see his kids every other weekend, but he mostly has to go to L.A. to see them. And airplane tickets aren't cheap, which brings us to money.
1: You don't think Kelly Clarkson's flying private?
0: She's not going to put her estranged husband on private.
1: No, that's right. He's he's buying his own on Spirit Airways.
0: Southwest, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Brandon filed his own documents, and he wants to get paid. So he wants $301,000 a month in spousal support and $135,000 a month in child support for a grand total of $436,000 a month, which is about $5.2 million a year. He also wants Kelly to give him $2 million for legal fees.
1: I mean, Michael, the question begs to be asked, how does he need that much money? Like, how much is a loaf of bread in Montana? I thought stuff is cheaper
0: in Montana. Yeah, I don't know. And, the well, the internet, okay, the internet, which is always right, as we know, says that Kelly is worth $45 million. And Brandon, I mean, he's not some poor, poor, poor. He's not a some Poor. poor He's a talent manager and is actually Blake Shelton's manager. Blake is on The Voice, so that's going to get awkward. Brandon is reportedly worth $10 million. Things are also messy because Brandon's father, Narvel Blackstock, is also a manager. Narvel used to be married to Reba McIntyre, handled her career. So Narvel's management company also handles Kelly, and they're suing her for $1.4 million in unpaid commissions. So it's messy all around.
1: Oh, my gosh. Like, I, yeah, like, what's his name? Brandon. I want to call him Narvel. I'm like, who are we talking about here? Brandon <laughs> Tristram. Tristram. Tristram Blackstock. <laughs> no, but, like, Brandon doesn't need any money because, yeah, he's got Blake Shelton money, which I can assume that's a lot of money. And also his dad has Reba money. So even if Brandon yeah. runs out of money, he can just go to his dad and be like, can I borrow $400,000? I don't why he needs it from Kelly. Also, he's not even like, he doesn't... Need- okay, I could understand if somebody needed $400,000 a month, if they were like split up from Kelly Clarkson, but also taking care of Kelly Clarkson still. So like, if I was the person who like got kelly clarkson's hair extensions ready and like fluffed up her dresses and stuff i'd be like yeah look i need some money for that but like brandon's just living in montana
0: yeah and he and he wants child support and he's only gonna see the kids every other weekend so yeah i don't but- know i mean yeah maybe like the grizzly bears in montana have shit on him and they're shaking him down for money
1: that could be if yeah. if Kelly gets like a letter that's covered in like honey, like a honey paw print,
0: yeah, or like smells like know. river
1: salmon. Then yeah, she should be concerned.
0: Yeah, and Kelly and Brandon apparently have a prenup, so I, he I, he must just be throwing shit out there, or he's smoking something out in Montana.
1: Mm, that that good Montana weed, that notoriously <laughs> delicious Montana weed,
0: <laughs> and because it seems like Brandon might be. Playing dirty Mm -hmm. he could you know try to put some shit out there that will shame kelly like phil collins's ex try to shame him you know by saying he's dirty
1: yeah but like what does he even have on her that she did from justin to kelly we already know about that
0: well like he'll say that she truly believes it's a masterpiece and that she was going to win an oscar and that would backfire because we all agree
1: yeah i'd forgive her for saying that
0: Allison and I want to quickly talk about five stories, starting with Tara Reid, who shot her shot. She has no shame. She doesn't give a fuck. So, Oscar winner and A list actress Nicole Kidman did an Instagram post promoting the final episode of her HBO show, The Undoing. Tara wrote a comment under that post, and I'll just read the whole thing. This is what Tara wrote to Nicole. You are truly amazing in everything you do. I've been a huge fan forever. Hopefully one day we can work together soon. I'm producing a movie, Masha's Mushroom. It's starring Vivica Fox, Billy Zane, Beverly D'Angelo, myself, Tara Reed, Reid, Shand- Shadé, and others. It's truly an amazing script. I would love for you to read it. Shoreline and Universal are doing it. It's a franchise of five films. If you can follow me so I can tell you more. Kindly, Tara. By the way, Google Masha's mushroom. The, the Google the poster, Masha's mushroom poster, because it's a high budget masterpiece. And if it's if the movie is even half as good as the poster, it's going to sweep the Oscars.
1: Oh, the it, that poster is like you don't your eyes don't know where to land, but your eyes always end up landing on the nose contour.
0: Mine landed on that
1: wig. The wig is it's tremendous. Yes, it's yeah. See, and that's the thing is like. I know that Tara really wanted to sell Nicole Kidman on it, but she should have just led with, I can promise you wigs. Cause we know that's what Nicole Kidman does. Like, oh yeah. She she,
0: she would have signed up so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, we all know Tara Reid is a Hollywood power player, right? Of course. And, but she spelled Beverly D'Angelo's name wrong. In her post. And, and second of all, why does she even need Nicole Kidman when she has Beverly D'Angelo? I know she should have been like Nicole. I mean, if you want to join on to this, this, is fine. Whatever is not a big deal if you do. We have Beverly D'Angelo, but yeah, you'll have to be below billing, third second billing to Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So last episode we talked about people's sexiest man alive. We guessed who it was going to be, and we were wrong. It's Michael B. Jordan, a great pick, mm-hmm. and um. The newest Sexiest Man Alive was seen getting off a private jet in Atlanta with Lori Harvey the day before Thanksgiving. Lori Harvey is a model. She's Steve Harvey's daughter, and she used to date Future, Diddy, and Diddy's son.
1: Mm -hmm. So Lori is like kind of, to me, I knew Lori Harvey when she was dating Diddy. And so to me, I don't know if she's this type of person, but she seems like the type of person who would be like... Maybe getting with a guy and then would sort of be like, hmm, tell me about your dad. So of course I pictured Lori like talking to Michael B. Jordan and being like, Hey, I can't wait to meet your dad, Michael Jordan. And him being like, Uh yeah, sure, Michael
0: Jordan. She's calling him Michael Jordan Jr. Michael <laughs> B. Jordan Jr. Yeah. But like, okay, Lori Harvey is beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's she's rich. Mm-hmm. And now she may be getting on Michael B. Jordan. So the universe is really trying to make it up to her for giving her Steve Harvey as a father. <laughs> and she deserves it. So Lysandra Ostrom, that name just called both of us poor. Poor, mm-hmm. poor, just called poor. Poor. So Lysandra Ostrom used to be one of Ivanka Trump's best friends and was maid of honor at her wedding but they're not friends anymore. So Lysandra wrote a piece for Vanity Fair calling Ivanka out as a horrible, snobby, mean girl and wrote that one of her earliest memories of Ivanka was when Ivanka farted and blamed it on an insecure classmate. So Allison, have you ever blamed a fart on someone? I haven't blamed a fart. Um... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) ask. I actually like... Closed my mouth and locked it. <laughs> well, do you want do you want me to tell you, or do you just want me to move on?
1: <laughs> I I blamed going to the bathroom on someone else one time.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that's normal. Okay,
1: <laughs> like I was just like, oh god, they destroyed the bathroom, and it was like somebody I worked with, and I felt really bad because I was like, she didn't deserve that. But I've never blamed. Yeah, a fart. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah,
0: have you blamed a fart on someone? No, I'm proud of my farts. I embrace them. Plus, everybody toots. So. Because the pandemic has turned everyone into a Pinterest lady and has us all doing all kinds of crafts and canning and shit, there's reportedly a mason jar shortage. Mason jar shortage. Trish Tram Shapiro. Trish Tram mason jar. Trish Tram buys mason jars at the... Anyways. So the jar store, which you guessed it, sells mason jars, says that their sales are 46 times what they were a year ago. And on the Facebook page of Ball, which is the most popular maker of mason jars, people were complaining that they couldn't get mason jars because they were all sold out. Shit is real,
1: Mm -hmm. Allison. Well, see, for me, this is where being broke pays off because I haven't bought a mason jar in years. All of my mason jars are old spaghetti sauce jars. So I have plenty of jars. So who's laughing now? Yeah. And it's not me because
0: everything I eat tastes like tomatoes. Tomatoes. And I have two mason jars left, and I'm bored. So I'm, like, tempted to go to a Michael's parking lot and leave the mason jars there and then watch as the crafters brawl over them. Like, watch all the Betty and Lindas brawl over them. That would be my new favorite sport. And finally, some happy news. Elliot Page, who was nominated for an Oscar for playing Juno in Juno and was Kitty Pride in two X-Men movies and was in Hard Candy, has come out as transgendered and uh, non binary. Elliot wrote on Instagram that he feels lucky to have gotten to that place and said that his joy is real, but he's also fragile and scared because he knows the kind of violence that faces trans people and he will do everything he can to make the world a better place for trans people. And he also wrote that the more he accepts himself, the more his heart grows. Elliot is married to Emma Portner and she supports him 100%. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, that's awesome news to end the day. But I also feel like as a Canadian person, I need to apologize to Elliot because he might be Canada's most famous trans person at this point now. And we are absolutely going to be so aggressively territorial about that. Like every American publication reporting on this was like, Oscar nominated star of Juno Elliot Page and all the Canadian publications were like Canadian person Elliot Page and I'm like well, it's
0: funny cuz Christian uh, he's a writer for d and mm-hmm. he wrote this post on the site and he he was like looking at the news and he said he's also from Canada mm-hmm. and he, he like I am to me and was like I just read like an article from Canada and they said um Nova Scotia actor yes. Elliot Page <laughs>
1: like Elliot has literally not acted in Nova Scotia since like 1998
0: so we would we would do that but congratulations Mm -hmm. it's show and tell time the part where Allison and I show and tell about something that we're into or recommend so mine is a Movie and specifically a, it's a Christmas movie. There's something like 82 Christmas movies this year <gasps> alone, so the Christmas movie game is crowded. But I'm going to recommend this one. It's Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, and the fact that Dolly Parton's name in, on it is in it should be enough to make you want to watch it. But it stars Dolly herself, Christine Baranski, Jennifer Lewis. And Treat Williams and was directed and choreographed by Debbie Allen.
1: Oh, my God. It's like, can you just keep naming reasons to watch
0: this? Yeah. And it's a fucking mess. It <laughs> is? <laughs> it's a mess. And I watched it while high, which might be the only way to watch it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's amazing. And first of all, the plot is very generic. So it's like all, a lot of these Christi- Christmas movies are about land development. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. in this one, Christine Bransky, she plays like a Scrooge type. She's like a, a serious businesswoman. And she goes back to the town she grew up in to buy out all the shops and to like turn in, them into condos or a mall or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she she's a Grinch. And Treat Williams is like her childhood sweetheart. And the whole thing is shot in a studio. Okay. Like, so it's like built set. So look, it's like community theater, basically. Oh, my God.
1: It's like White Christmas, Michael. It's
0: like an old Hollywood musical. With maybe one-tenth of the budget. It's okay. like, oh, yeah, it's on Netflix, by the way. But um, the star moment, of course, belongs to Dolly. So Dolly, spoiler alert, is an angel in the movie. So she basically plays herself. Mm -hmm. But she's an angel masquerading as a homeless person. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, and it's like, she is like the most glamorous, opulent, like gorgeous lady hobo you have ever seen. It's like, her makeup is immaculate. They don't even like try to put dirt on her cheeks. There's like, her face is like perfectly made up. Like, the lighting is perfect. Her hair looks gorgeous. And, like, the rags she wears, it looks like she bought it at Fendi. Well, she is an angel, after all. (laughs) But she's supposed to be, like, a a homeless person. And she looks like... An angel. And she looks, like, richer than everybody. She looks more rich than Christine Baranski, who is supposed to be the richest woman or whatever. Okay, but to be
1: fair, I'm pretty sure you'd instantly get a spot in hell if you made Dolly Parton look bad.
0: You no, can't but it's do that. like that's a hate crime. no. That's why it's amazing because she's like this, like stunning homeless person, and she's <laughs> carrying like a sign that says like "change please" or something like that, and she's just sit- sitting in the square, <laughs> and like,
1: <laughs> and nobody notices. Like, wow, that homeless person is beautiful.
0: I mean, like that homeless person could buy this town. Like she looks so so. Yeah, and it. I mean. The songs are horrible, like the acting is not much better, but it's entertaining and it proves that Dolly makes everything better. Is Take an edible and enjoy
1: it. I absolutely will watch this. But like, is maybe Dolly's character supposed to be like an undercover boss situation where she's like an angel that's like put down on Earth to spy on how humans are? So they're like, try to look like a homeless person.
0: Is it like Yeah, that's what it is. Because she's an angel and she's like in disguise as a homeless person to... Yeah, to spy on the townspeople.
1: In disguise, the world's worst disguise. <laughs> that sounds great. I absolutely know what I'll be doing this weekend. Um, so my show and tell is something it's a show that just ended. So um the last episode aired last week. So you can watch every episode of this show. So mine is the fifth season of the Eric Andre show. And It's that's going to be the kind of thing where people have either absolutely seen it or they've never seen an episode in their life.
0: Yeah, I've never seen an episode in my life. All right. Well, I mean, he used to date Rosario Dawson, right?
1: For yes, for a very quick second, he dated Rosario Dawson. Um, Eric Andre, you might know as he he does like stand up comedy. He was also he had an arc on Two Broke Girls if you ever watched that show. Um, so he his show is kind of like. So it's a talk show, but it's a talk show in the same way that um, uh, the show Fernwood Tonight was a talk show. It's okay, yeah. So it's a, it's not a parody of a talk show. It's an actual talk show, but it's very weird. Um, it feels a lot like Tom Green as
0: well. So. Oh, it's an actual talk show. It's not scripted.
1: No, it's an actual talk show, but it's very like nihilistic. Someone on the internet described it as like imp- it's like embracing postmodern irony, which I think that's saying too many words for it. It really is just Eric Andre having a talk show and um, just doing weird stuff. Like, so for example, every season Eric Andre has kind of a thing. So in one of the seasons, I think it was maybe the third or the fourth, um, he didn't shower for a whole year and he wore like the same suit every day. So, mm-hmm. you know, he would have guests on and like, he would stink he smelled like shit and i know a lot of the time when they book guests they don't tell them what show they're going to be on so a lot of them think they're going to be on a talk show like a normal talk show like kelly and ryan yeah and then they get there and it's just like very weird so this season his but
0: he gets the like celebrities are the guests
1: The celebrities are actually the guests. Yes. Okay. And some of them are like incredible. So like this season, um, Tiffany New York Pollard was a guest and she's like completely unshakable. She was so great. Like nothing bothered her. That's not true. She was like freaked out at some points, but she was just so normal through the whole thing. Um, It's, oh, I mean, this is, it's sort of sad, but it's kind of, it's also sort of good. So um the Eric Andre show was the last um tv appearance by Naya Rivera before she passed away and her appearance is also incredible she's so good like she's somebody who doesn't But they like it figure out. it out
0: when they get there right
1: Yeah i think that like she completely figured it out and was just very cool about it and like just she was like a she's like a
0: really great guest Like does um, he ask them weird shit? He like doesn't
1: really ask them weird shit he more like does weird shit so like people will fall from the ceiling or oh, okay. like so for example, like his thing this season is that he he gained twenty pounds and he removed all of his body hair and then he also like spent tons of time in tanning beds. So he's like really like oiled up and like he's weird he's weird looking. He has like no hair on his whole body. And then like so sometimes he'll just like take off his suit and then people are sitting there being like, What the fuck is going on? Um and then he'll, but also, so it's like he interviews celebrities, but then he also has musical guests. So he had like Machine Gun Kelly and Whale, and um, like at the end of the show, and then he'll also just have random celebrities. And none of them know who segments. he is. Some of them do, but some of them don't. Like Adam Ripon. Like some of the,
0: most of them have never seen his show.
1: I think so. So Lauren Conrad from like The Hills was on mm-hmm. his show early on in a season. And her her appearance is, like, notorious because she had no idea what she was getting into.
0: So he, like, probably books people that he thinks won't know what the show is.
1: Sort of. But then I also think that it is, like, some people that he, like, that just do want to come on. And they'll just kind of react in a weird way. Like, Judy Greer was on in the season. And she, I think she's somebody who, like, had seen the show before. But she was still completely freaked out. So that was kind of funny. There's also, like, sketches and stuff. It, it's just, it's an awesome show. I mean, if you're not into, like, you know, kind of weird stuff like that, then it might get annoying really quickly. But I watch it and I'm just, like, completely in awe of how ambitious and committed he is to all of it. So it is kind of cool to watch it just for that reason. Because it's, like, it, every episode is just him giving 110%. It's great. And that's on... Adult Swim, so you can actually watch it online. Yeah, it's like very accessible.
0: Okay, so yeah, I'll watch that, and you watch Christmas in the Square on Netflix, and then next week for a show and tell, I'll say mine is um, the Eric Andre Show season five, and you'll say yours is Christmas. Christmas in the Square. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So that ends this episode, but before we go, delisted writer Emily has a podcast called Trash Box, which. She's going to hear from my lawyer since that's what I call my mouth. its I almost said something else, but this is a family <laughs> I, show. I was
1: like, why did you say mouth, Michael?
0: <laughs> so it's a podcast all about the real housewives, and Emily's very funny. So if you're into real housewives, check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't even watch The Housewives anymore, and I enjoyed it a lot. That's so, good. Trash Box. And if you've got any question, if you've got a question for us for our mailbag section, email us at DTP at and we may answer that question in an episode. So, till next week. Bye, Michael. Bye.